Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Molly Herman. Hello, hello. Today on My Talk 1071, and we are sharing all the good foods and eats for summer treats. Hot dogs and turtles. Hot dogs that's and turtles. That's what I've been talking about. If you missed the first hour, there's a lot of talking of hot dogs and turtles. Some good, some bad. And uh, you can always podcast that baby. I mean, you can zip back in anytime you want if you just download the app and podcast right in. So intriguing. So intriguing. I know. It's, that's how we tease you out. Hey, we were just talking about hot dogs, and we had a lot of callers who didn't want to come on the air. They left us little notes. So here's where here's a few hot dog spots in the Twin Cities where you can go and get a good dog. Tilt Pinball Bar, which I have had those hot dogs and I have enjoyed them while playing pinball. There you go. It is a very loud place to be, just FYI. (laughs) There's a lot of pinball noise, which is fun. Uh, Chicago's Taste Authority, which is, of course, the old Chris and Rob's. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Wienery, which is a hot dog restaurant. Oh, yeah. The Wienery is sort of a hot dog dive bar in what I like to think about it. Where is that located? I know I've seen it. I think it's, I feel like West Bank is where it is. Yeah. Kind of near U of M. And then, of course, the one that is near and dear to my heart, where I used to take my kids all the time, Uncle Frankie's. So, as much as I was sort of complaining, it looks like I'm well, and actually... now I'm just thinking, <laughs> in St. Paul, what's that place on the corner that has the Coney Island dogs on 7th? Um, I don't know. Oh, I think it's an Irish Oh, you're not talking place. gopher dog, are you? No. Oh, because that's the gopher bar? No. Nope. Because that is a Coney Island, or that's the where you go for Coney Islands, but they're not nice people there. Okay. And they're okay with that. Like, that's yeah. their thing. Okay. They're just a little bit awesome. <laughs> or we'll, not. we'll leave that there. Yeah. Um, so that's, there you go. Uncle Frankie's for me, by the way. I took the kids there because they would always have uh, Scooby-Doo. They had Scooby-Doo themed everything out in Plymouth, they did, but also in Minneapolis. And okay. we would always go and eat hot dogs there. Yeah. I forgot about that. So that's fun. Uncle Frankie's. And in fact, Jake used to call it Uncle McFrankie's. We don't know why. <laughs> Because he's Jake. Because he was Jake. So guess what, kids? It's time for a top two in hour two. Give him the old one, one, two, one, two. And now, the Weekly Dish presents... Top two, top two. The top two... Pick your best two. In hour two. All right, give me two, winning, winning, winning. All right, this is the time of the show when we talk about two things that we are sort of obsessed about or loving this week. And uh, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, gosh. What's your first one? Mm. Actually, you should do the thing that... Do the first one. The first one? Yeah. Uh... A champagne jello shots. <laughs> Molly Happy birthday, brought, America. Molly brought to my house last night the most elegant jello shots I've ever seen. <laughs> elegant might be a weird way to put it. They were but, served on a silver tray. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know. If you're going to do champagne jello shots, put them on a pretty tray. I think so. Um, so I have a grapevine in my backyard. Yeah. A Front, grapevine. Grapevine. Frontenac grapes, you know, developed here by the U. Local. For north, northern climates. Northiness. And I had harvested my grapes last, end of last summer, and planned to make jam. Did not get around to it. Yep. Had it, the juice in my freezer, and just had this idea like, well, if I'm going to a party, what am I going to do with this? I'm not going to make jam again with it. So right. let's try this. And so we made champagne jello shots. You can find recipes all over the, all over the the interwebs, um, but they were sort of tart. And yeah. so if you don't like it tart because champagne is not sweet, right? you're going to need to add some more sugar. And ours were on the tart side. I was happy with tartness. Uh, also, s- if you put a little like 
you know, we used to do the champagne gel shots with or gel shots with a little bit of whipped cream on top too. Oh and well, so yeah, that would add the sweetness. That would add a little sweetness yeah, yeah, yeah. if you wanted. Yeah, so we had a little, you know, Frontenac champagne jello shots. Very good. I love that. Why am I talking in a British accent? I don't know, because there was, I know for jello shots as well. <laughs> um, those were, uh, and do you, Norm, we used to do them in the little cups, you know? Keith said that. He was like, I thought when he said, when I said I was doing jello shots, he was like, I thought they would be in cups, but I just put them in. I made a small batch because I didn't have a lot. And right. I made one without alcohol for the kids, just the grape jello, mm-hmm. and then one with the champagne for the adults. And so it was it was a small batch, and I just put them in like loaf pans and yeah. then cut them into cubes. Cause, and I used the Knox like unflavored gelatin. Yeah. So they were like the Knox blocks. So you didn't so buy like jello. <laughs> no. They were the they were the Knox blocks that are like, you know, stand on their own. Yeah. So you don't need cups with them. You just right. although by the end of the night they were getting a they little They were a little sloopy. slushy. I might have gotten you know. some jello underneath my fingernail as I was trying might to throw it home. Some there. That's okay. But they were good. They were tasty and I liked them. It was fun. It was fun. Um, and no Everclear needed. So that's no great. No Everclear. Because that mean, was how can, we used to do that yeah, in you the can day. Add some vodka or whatever you want, but I just used like a kava. Uh, and it, gave, it had pretty bubbles on top. I'm going to shout out to my friend Karen Johnson Wald, who was the queen of the jello shot making in my <laughs> apartment back in the day. Literally, we would have house parties and that girl would not only make like trays and trays of jello mm-hmm. shots that would be sitting in our fridge but she could like in her five foot one frame you know like she could house jello shots like nobody i've ever seen and what's her name again karen johnson walt she is now a mom Good and on you, karen mm-hmm. well done girl all right so <laughs> my first one is going to be the rediscovery of potato salad for me <laughs> oh that's a good one because i again the kids were there at the fourth and like what do we have hot dogs and i'm like should i make potato salad and it had just occurred to me to make a potato salad and I remember that I don't actually have a potato salad recipe Hmm. that I just kind of always riff on it and I forgot how much I love the bacon potato salad Mm. where you make up a bunch of bacon chop it up into little chunks and then toss it in with your potatoes and chives and shallots and all that stuff and honestly the easiestness is I throw a bunch of sour cream and a bunch of mayonnaise together that That's was my it. next question. I was going to ask if you're a mustard and yeah. your potato salad no, girl. I do not do mustard of any kind hmm. because I just, the yellowness is also weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the All-American Show. We're talking hot dogs, jello shots, and potato, potato salad. It's the 4th of July weekend. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, but honestly, because someone was asking me for a recipe, and all I do is I throw a bunch of mayonnaise and a bunch of, of sour cream together, like dollops okay. of it, and, yeah. and whip it together. Raw shallots, raw garlic... And then a bunch of chives, and then I throw those potatoes in, toss them around, and then mm-hmm. the bacon goes in. And is it actual sour cream or top the tater? Because I know you're a no. top the tater person. Were no, that- I am not a top the tater oh, person. Somebody else. Oh, I think it's Lori that I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. She's a top the tater person. Yeah. Okay, so sour cream, mayonnaise. And sometimes creme fraiche instead of sour cream Ooh, for a little bit of extra that. tang. Yeah. You know, but and, uh, and not heavy on the mayonnaise, but just enough to kind of hold it together and keep yeah. it real. I'm a mustard. I like I like mayo in there, but I like a little bit of mustard. And there's, you know, maybe a need. For, I try to up the shallots to give that sort of bite to right. it so that it's and not all. That's why I like it. Yeah. But I don't. The, and sometimes I might throw a little tiny bit of vinegar in there. Just yeah. a tiny bit to give it a bit of it. Well, in like German potato salad, completely different. Like I know. The warm vinegar. Yeah. And my mother used to make my mother. We grew up with pink potato salad. Which was, but also, which is a Russian potato salad, actually. Did it have beets in beets, it? Beets, yeah. Okay. But the thing is, it you serve it at Christmas. It's not a summer thing. So 
when people would talk about potato salad when I was a kid, I was like, well, we don't eat it that in the summertime. Right. No, I can see that that would be <laughs> a little eat weird. that at Christmas. Yeah. That's weird, you know? Yeah. So that was always, but I always loved her pink stuff because mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. But, By the so way, that was, potato salad at Maven's is top notch. Oh. And it does have mustard, though. Oh, okay. We'll give it a shot. Um, and uh, and our friend Stephanie Meyer brought a potato salad tossed with um, pesto, a ramp pesto, mm-hmm. and and pumpkin seeds last night. It was delicious. Non-creamy and just lovely. In fact, at 11.30 last night, that's I was housing that and cookies. That was what I was doing at 11.30. Sounds just, like a balanced diet. I, well, I mean, the whole night, right? <laughs> All right, what's your second one? Second one is a book, a cookbook that our friend Kelly O'Reilly turned me on to. I, ha- I have not purchased it yet, but I have looked through hers oh. and I will be purchasing it. It's called Six Seasons Cookbook. Yes. Uh, Joshua McFadden is the author. Okay. And the, the whole book is broken up into these six seasons. Like there's early summer, late summer, early spring, late spring. And um, it is, first of all, just visually beautiful. The, the photos and the drawings are just gorgeous. Um, and the recipes are really unique. And the what I've had out of it so far, I'm just, I'm excited. So that's something that I'm going to be getting post-haste. Oh, I love that. What a great and, idea. And he's called like the vegetable whisperer. So it's heavy on vegetables. That's what I was going to say. Which it, is good right now for mm-hmm. our high harvest season yep. and CSAs and gardens and... Well, and you, a lot of times you get, this is the thing is we are so trained to think of like meat as the thing. And then we have a side dish. And a lot of times, personally, I feel like I get in a rut that I can't Mm -hmm. break out of. I can't think of what else to do with these things and things coming off my garden too. I'm kind of going, well, okay, what do I do with cucumbers besides either slice the meat, eat them or put them in a feta tomato salad? Like I want Maybe right. some other ideas. And then, oh, I could grill them and toss it and make a warm salad. Smashed of, cucumbers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's lots. Yes. So this is a great cookbook for those of you for in this, like I said, bountiful season that we have right now. Uh, it won the James Beard Award for a vegetable cookbook. And, you know, it's gorgeous. This is an Elizabeth Reese cookbook. She would love this book. Yes. We should get that for her. Yes. Okay. And we have the link up on your Facebook page, I think. Good. Okay, so my second thing in top two or number two is just the mad pickling that I'm doing already with my jalapenos that I got out of my garden so far. To go on your hot dogs. Yes, to go on my hot dogs. I'm so excited about this. So I did, last weekend we talked, I picked a couple of the, I picked a pepper, (laughs) not a pack of peppers, or even a pack of peppers, just two peppers. And I cut them, slice, 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 quick, and then I jammed them into a jar and I just did a quick pickle with... Uh, I think I did rice wine vinegar, mm-hmm. which already has a little bit of sugar in it. And I tossed honey in there. Ooh, that's good. And then salt. And then I threw a couple garlic cloves in there as well that I sliced. That sounds delicious. Yeah. And I forgot to bring them out last night. Just Do to be you clear. know what else that would go really well in? What? Margaritas. Oh, yes. Because mm-hmm. they have that little tartness. They're very tart, but they have a nice, God, the crunch is so good. And it's just got that vegetal crunch. I'm just saying, I don't know if I will. I'm just going to pick all the peppers in my garden and do that. And you're doing a quick pickle and you're putting them in the refrigerator. You're not canning them. No, uh-uh. No, quick pickling, I mean, yeah. is just much easier for me. Well, that's that's mostly what I do. But do is I, that what you do with your cucumbers, too? You slice thin and then you... Not cucumbers, but I do a lot of pickled onions. I always have pickled onions in my fridge. Yeah. And I just do a quick pickle. And... Do, you have like a, do you have like a mixture ratio or anything? Um... I sort of eyeball it, but it's mostly like an apple cider vinegar or a red wine vinegar that mm-hmm. I do with the pickled onions because it turns them this pretty color. Yeah. Um, I put some caraway, not caraway, sorry, cumin and coriander seeds in there and like maybe a quarter cup of sugar. Okay. I do. I do very little sugar. Yeah. And in fact, the honey, 
I probably could have amped up the honey because it wasn't enough. But still. yeah, I don't like them sweet, but you no. need the sweet with the you vinegar need a tang to balance to it. To make the tang. Yeah. The tang doesn't happen without sugar. Yep. All right, you guys, there we go. Top two in hour two, plus a few other things. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to tell you guys about a farm tour that's happening in a couple weeks that is going to be a lot of really cool things happening. We're going to talk about that. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Molly Herman. Hello, everybody. This morning, and we are going to tell you about something happening next weekend that we're kind of excited about. Um, there's something that Minnesotans take for granted, I think, and that is the fact that we live probably within 20 minutes of a farm, no matter where you are. Yes. In, <laughs> and some of us, now with urban farming, you may live 10 minutes from a farm. Very true. Very true. And one of the things that I know that a lot of big city dwellers in other parts of the country sort of... When I tell them this, I say, you know, I live 20 minutes outside the city. And if I go another five minutes in my neighborhood, I can get to an actual production farm. Mm -hmm. They kind of freak out about that. They're like, I don't, that's like, if you can't get from the center of Chicago in 20 minutes, you're still like at Wrigleyville. Sure. (laughs) In traffic. Yeah, in traffic. So one of those things that I think is great is that we have an opportunity to visit farms Mm -hmm. like nobody else does. And in fact, this Saturday, next Saturday, July 14th, um, there's a tour called the Eat Local Farm Tour. It's also called the Co-op, Co-op Farm Tour. Farm Tour. Mm-hmm. So if you find it, you you can. Uh, we're going to put a link up to it. I just put a link up on the uh, uh, Facebook page, but it's called the Co-op Farm Tour, happening on July 14th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And basically, there's 30 farms highlighted that are opening their doors and hanging out and ready to greet you and show you their farm. It's a farm crawl. It's a farm crawl. Which is awesome. Which is amazing. And I think that, you know, they've been doing this for several years, but it keeps getting bigger every year, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, again, having not being a Minnesota native, I think Minnesota has always been really great at keeping that farm history very front and center. Like yes. when you go to the state fair, you're very much aware 4-H of, kids of are all real. the, the farming not, yeah. and the dairy and everything else. And so I think that's something that, that Minnesota has done really well is keep that history front and center. And so yeah. this is just another newer way to introduce smaller family farms, um, doing organic stuff, and whether it's produce or animals, it's both, right? They're- yeah, it's all. It's There's so many... Uh, I mean, there's 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 they're doing farms that are in town, urban farms, mm-hmm. and all around the metro. And they've... And it's there's no restrictions like I, it's a co- it's the co-op farm tour so i mean it's obviously the co-ops are kind of helping mm-hmm. introduce you to people who then they buy their products from them so you can get them in store as well but i think it's all sorts of farms from the bee's knees which yeah you know those cats are pedal powered beekeeping enterprise who make honey and then you know things these are the, the couple of the ones that in town mississippi mushrooms it's an urban indoor mushroom farm located mm-hmm. on the banks of the Mississippi in Minneapolis. Yep. To, you know, stuff that is way out in, let's say, like, the kids out, the Sweet 16 farm down in the Bluff Country. And they're dedicated to sustain- sustainability, community producing seasonal produce. They also do flowers and hops. And they have a beautiful disc golf course open oh, look at that. to the public. Okay, so a couple questions. Okay. One, do you have to buy tickets or do you just show up? This is what I love. It is Open and free. Okay. You can just show up. And then when you get to the farm, are there like 
tastes of things? Are there beverages? Do you have to bring your own stuff? So you, some places, so because the co-ops are involved, there's a lot of, like, you can stop in at the Eastside Co-op or uh, some of the other co-ops and you can make a picnic lunch there and then bring it with you. If you're coming, starting in the city, you may want to do that. But most of these places are going to have samples and fun stuff at, at, I think it's Hoke Orchard. Uh, That's also in the um, southeast region. Uh, They have a 94-acre diversified organic and biodynamic farm producing seasonal fruits, veggies, meats, wine, and hard cider, and more. And they're saying, come down and pick your own berries. Mm -hmm. Do a pasture walk. They're going to sample all the stuff. And they're going to have cooked brats for sale and hard cider and wine. How fun. So, like, there'll be places that you can kind of, you know, picnic there. Right. But if you bring your own, you know... That's totally possible, too. Get a group together and do a farm crawl. Don't you think this is a great idea? This is the grown-up family version of the pub crawl. I know. And things like, I think this is a great idea because you see some of these names on menus, right? Mm -hmm. Local chefs love to see guys. Featherstone Farm is one of the ones that I think about. They're really great. They're a 250-acre farm, um, and they produce fresh market fruits and vegetables for distribution, uh, local co-ops, restaurants, wholesalers, whatever. That's a great chance to get down there and meet mm-hmm. those guys. And these are some of the farmers that you're seeing at the farmers market. Yes, you know these are you're, they're going to be familiar faces, familiar produce, and this is another way to see you know how they live and and how they produce things and give them support in a different way. And one of the ones I will say that is one of our favorites. If you head south, you can hit up uh, Shepherd's Way Farm, and oh. Jody Olson Reed is one of our favorite you know, yes. farmers and they are farmers, even though they are cheesemakers. Mm-hmm. And that's that connection is like your kids should know that when they're eating shepherd's way, when they're totally into that, you know, Morcella, mm-hmm. which as if Jake was like, what is this? And eating it. And I was like, it's Morcella. It's Jody's cheese. And it's like, that's a farm cheese. And that is something that only exists in Minnesota because of the way that they raise their sheep. You know, Jake has expensive taste. He does. Unfortunately, <laughs> is not okay. The you guys. Is it? I think it's Morcella. You're Marcella. right. I think he mortadella, and then yeah. I went Morcella. It's Morcella. Morcella, right. and it's uh, with morel mushrooms. It's in with it. So it's a very, it's a very <laughs> seasonal, uh, specific cheese. It is. It's horrible, and it's delicious. It's delicious. So if you can get your hands on some. How about Hope Creamery? You can hand out to Hope Creamery because, oh, yeah. I mean, like, how many times have we heard Hope Creamery butter on this or Hope mm-hmm. Creamery? You know, and they are doing small batch butter using Minnesota cream from area farmers. And that's going to that would be a really great thing to go see a butter factory. So how far away is the the furthest farm? I'm not I'm not, not sure. sure. I Here, let me pull up this map. But there's so on the website. And like I said, we put up a link. They not only have all the farms listed, they have a map. Oh, let's see. You could go down to. Holy buckets. You can go all the way down to. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Lanesboro. And that's where six, Sweet Sixteen Farm is and Featherstone. Those seem to be the farthest away. Okay. Um, but you can also go to, um, you can head north and up in Princeton, there's a Pluck Flower Farm and Mighty Axe Hops. And I got to tell you, this may be the one that a lot of people end up, if you're going to pick a long drive. Mighty Axe Hops is obviously one of our local hops grower mm-hmm. for beer. And I know that they are doing Fair State Brewing sampling. Okay. At farm. So if you want to state is a cooperative brewery. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Cooperatively owned. Cooperatively owned. Yeah. So that's not, that's a difference. Yeah. But Mighty Axe is these guys, we've had them at beer festivals and beer events uh, for the magazine, and they are so smart and so intelligent. 
about how to educate people about growing hops. And right now, those hops, it is a cool thing to see, you guys. They have roped all the way up. They're oh, cool. high and gorgeous right and now. And tall. They they vine all the way straight up. And they and so it's like walking through these walls of hops. It's a very cool experience. Um, and they're up in Foley, Minnesota. I mean, honestly, it's not that far of a drive. Um, one of the things I said, they have a map for you can see that they have a guide for just kind of saying, you know, the like kind of the, they have a little printable book or a PDF book, but they have itineraries. So let's say you wanted to hit, you wanted to hit the Mighty Axe Hops. They have mm-hmm. a little itinerary that says uh, stop one would be Rise Bagel Company. And they're saying get breakfast there. Go to the East Side Co-op and pick pack a picnic lunch. You can do that. And then you go to Pluck fl- Flower. I'm going to say that wrong. And I'm scared of that, <laughs> by the way. Pluck Flower Farm and uh, relax with 11 a.m. Uh, yoga and then pick your own flower bouquet. That's happening there. It's like a scavenger hunt. And then they're saying the drive time to that 20 minutes to Mighty Axe Farms is picnic lunch and enjoy a beer from Fair State. And then a 35 minute drive to Thousand Hills Cattle Company where there's a 3 p.m. herd demo and tasty samples. Yeah. This is like... Beef sticks, people. They're yeah. going to have their beef sticks. Oh, God. They're all beef hot dogs. Going back to the only hot thing I can think dog. of right now. <laughs> You guys, I can only think of having a hot dog when Guess I leave the show. Guess we're going after this. Yeah, hot I'm, dogs. I'm getting a hot dog. <laughs> um, they, but I mean, to me, Thousand Hills Cattle Company is, you know, bar, par excellence as far as grass-fed beef. beef. Yes. Right? They're delicious. So, I mean, it's kind of a pick-your-own-adventure. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're going to do this, Miles? You know, you I think they can look at my schedule. Yeah. Uh, but I think I I might drag the fam out to do this. Yes. I think they would have fun. Uh, you know, because I am a due east kind of gal. I'm just going to, or due west kind of gal. I'm probably going to go to Riverbend. Oh, Delano out yeah. there. Yeah. It's, it's five, it's literally five minutes from my house. Uh, I'm probably going to go to the farm farm and TC farm west. And okay. then I might get out to Ames Honey and check out the bees with Brian. So that's what I'm hoping. Perfect Saturday. That's And if anybody wants to join, I mean, like, call it out and I'll hit. I'm in light out after the show next week. That's my plan. Okay, gang, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about some famous TV chefs that live amongst us. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. Giving you a little quick update. If you're listening, England to Sweden zero. Woot, woot. World Cup action. It's it's we're in the seventy sixth minute, so they still have about. I mean, they still have twenty minutes just left. Hold on, hold on. It's it's just possible uh, if you're into the fever of it all. Today is a big game. I know so, there are people solely for my bracket. Please yeah, read for England. Just for your bracket. <laughs> people were watching at the American Swedish Institute this morning. Oh, that's a cool idea. Was that a great idea? They well, had, and you know, I know Riverview Theater mm-hmm. is showing the nine a.m. games on the big screen. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, and of course, your best place for action is Nomad World Pub. Right. That is Soccer Central. Sorry, Football Central. And then also Brits has been showing it. I bet Brits is I bet Brits is insane right I bet now. So. I heard I bet that their Bloody Mary count is off the charts. Oh, off the charts, sincerely. All right. Well, we uh, we are going to talk a little bit about. We were trying to get a hold of uh, a famous chef amongst us. <laughs> amongst us, uh, we want to. There's a lot of TV action going on with our local boys. So much. It's kind of crazy. Girls. And girls too. Yeah, you're right. There really is a lot of, you know, our people getting onto the national stage by kind of being a part of these TV shows. And we're talking, of course, like Beat Bobby Flay and mm-hmm. Iron Chef America and all sorts of stuff. Chopped. Chopped, right? All these things. Mm-hmm. So let's talk. We were gonna, we're trying to get a hold of Thomas Bamer because basically he went on an episode of Beat Bobby Flay. And uh, the first time 
He did not beat Bobby Flay. He did not. Which a lot of people don't. And I think I would say most people don't. Jack Rebel also went on beat Bobby Flay. Did not beat him. Did not beat him. Did Michelle Geyer go on beat Bobby yes, Flay? She did not beat did him. Did not beat him. Well. So does everybody know the premise of beat Bobby what Flay? What is the premise? So the premise is you go up against, there's two chefs that they bring in. Yeah. And Bobby Flay gives them a secret ingredient. Yeah. That they have to create within like 30 minutes or yep. something like that. And there's two friends of Bobby that are judging and trying to pick who they think will be able to beat Bobby Flay. So for the first round, they're competing against another chef with a secret ingredient. Yes. The winner goes against Bobby Flay in round two. Okay. And the winner gets to tell what Bobby what dish they're going to do. So it's a signature oh. dish from right, right. the guest chef, right? right? So the first time, you know, Thomas Bamer was on, he chose, well, what, of course, fried chicken. Fried chicken. Like, I'm going to beat you, Bobby Flay. Yeah. Fried chicken. But he lost. Do we have him? No. Do we have well, one second? So keep going. So he lost. So in the he first lost. Round. And the big, uh, the biggest reason that the judges said that he lost was that his fried chicken was too salty. Okay. What? I know, which doesn't even seem like a thing. <sighs> okay. We have Thomas oh, online. Good. Thomas, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Yay. Hi, we Thomas. Are, we were just talking about your first... Okay, so we started talking about your first time on Beat Bobby Flay and how they said the fried chicken was too salty. What did you feel about that? <laughs> well, I think, you know, anybody that's ever had revival chicken knows that it's delicious. But, you know, <laughs> for that competition, we had to do a, a variation. The revival chicken, you know, is a two-day process. So we had 45 minutes. So... Um, and, and the recipe that I went into the competition with just was a little inconsistent. And, and uh, the salt didn't have enough time to kind of take to the chicken, so it kind of hovers in the coating. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a time thing. So uh, we, we tested a number of times before the competition. It tested really well. We lost, obviously. We went back and tested it again, and it tested inconsistent, and, and we were just really surprised by that. But. So would you, do you agree with the assessment? Do you think the chicken you cooked that day was too salty? Well, this is, you know, you know, when you're doing a, a pasta or a sauce or something like that, you, you know, the, the key rule is to taste as you go and really make sure you're checking that seasoning. Sure. Well, with fried chicken, you don't really have the ability to do that. That's true. It, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and so I, you know, and I was thinking, even as I left to wait to hear the judges, like I should have tasted some of the coating just to double check. But for me, I mean, we cook uh, per, you know, 750 to 1,000 pieces of chicken a day. <laughs> you know, at the little restaurant, you know, and it, it, it's, you know, so I just, I'm so used to frying chicken. I just didn't think about it. And, that was uh, one of my favorite moments when you like were smack talking with Bobby and you, and you're like, well, you know, we cook about a thousand pieces of chicken a day. Yeah. And Bobby was all yeah. like, what is, are you smack talking? You're like, no, just, just information. Stating the obvious. Just information. Yeah. Yeah. Giving you the numbers, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, but here's the thing. So here. you didn't beat Bobby Flay that first time, but... You got to go back. Rematch. And rematch with Bobby Flay. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Well, I mean, you know, I, the first competition was so much fun. We did this beautiful rabbit dish, and rabbit, rabbit is one of my favorite things to cook. Uh, we, you know, we got to do our signature fried chicken and our drop biscuits that everybody loves at the restaurant. And I think so many people saw that and were like, I don't understand. You know, Thomas yeah. had to have won that one. You know, and... Uh, so I, I think it was just a, you know, I, I was thinking rematch as soon as we left, but, you know, it was just a, a really, you know, uh, incredible thing to be asked back and, and be able to go down and work with his team and Bobby Flay and Food Network and uh, Rock Shrimp Productions. They were just really incredible to work with. And, 
It was a blast. Well, and do they have rematches a lot? I guess I, I haven't really seen that many. They was it unusual? Do a few. Uh, they do a few. And, and when we watched the episode, we uh, watched it with its first airing. And they behind that, they had some of the past rematch shows. It was okay. kind of like a rematch episode, which was really fun. But okay. uh, there's not many, but I don't know exactly how many they've done. So talk us through this. It just aired on Thursday, and your secret ingredient you were given to compete for the first round was Swiss chard. Were you like, oh, my God, a vegetable? Uh, yeah, he was, um, yeah, he had, I mean, you're, you're trying to produce a dish that is, you know, kind of an appetizer or just this really, you know, uh, you know kind of, you really want to focus on the ingredient. And Swiss chard is really beautiful and a great ingredient, but, you know, typically use it, you know, maybe as a side or to, to you know, uh, bring up a salad. Or, you know, a lot of times we use it in the charcuterie world to wrap terrines and pâtés because it holds up and it stays beautifully green and it's got a great texture. But to do it on a competition as the center plate main focus really threw me off my guard. I, I, it was... Uh, I, I was stuck there for a second. <laughs> the, the look on your face—you were—you were definitely digging deep. But you created a beautiful dish. It was a um, like a spring roll, a vegetable spring oh. roll wrapped in the Swiss chard with a fish sauce caramel, which you do so well. Yeah, we did all these. You know, I, I brought a little vegetable in there, and I was thinking shrimp. And I looked over and I saw Bao Bao had some shrimp. And I was like, well, I'm not sure. And I didn't have time. And one thing they didn't show is, is I, there was no way I would have had time to put the shrimp in there. So I think they were very kind of me in editing. So oh. thank you, guys. <laughs> but well, it looked beautiful. I never got that in there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it was just, you know, and in the judging, that's one of the things. They, they kind of focused on my time management. They said, well, you, you had to look at certain things and edit as you were going. And, and a lot of tasting and really you know, try to put up a complete dish, but I am telling you, 20 minutes is zero time. I can't even right? imagine that. That was crazy. So fast you're, forward, you're, you you won the first round. Yep. Round yeah, two, yeah. you're going head-to-head with Bobby Flay, and you get to choose the dish. So last time it was fried chicken, this time you chose chicken and dumplings. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite dishes. You know, it, it originated on the corner table menu, it went with us last September to uh, my very first uh, experience at the James Beard House in New York. Uh, it was one of our, you know, kind of feature courses for that. Uh, it's just a dish that I love because we do it, um, and I think you saw when Scott tasted it, that there was uh, something he wasn't expecting. And it's, it wasn't that there was a flavor there that, that was a twist or anything. It was just we really worked to create a depth right. of flavor. And to be able to do that... You know, that quickly uh, took a little bit of work on that dish because in the restaurants, again, we have, you know, days to kind of build these layers of flavor. Sure. You know, but we have 45 45 minutes minutes here. Well, and so you had a moment, though, because one of the judges was, you know, talking about how great it tasted. But then she got to the spot and she goes, you know what? It tasted a little salty. Oh! And did your heart just drop? My knees. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) don't say that, (laughs) you know? No. but so I, and so of course, you know, your heart sinks, uh, you know, right when they say that. And, um, but it's, it's tough, you know, you know, I come, you know, you know, you look at chefs like Bobby Flay, who's, uh, you know, uh, uh, an incredibly accomplished chef, but one of the greatest, you know, food competitors, right. you know, it, uh, you know, you know, of all time, really, uh, he's been doing this for, you know, 
uh, well over a decade. Right, it's like second uh, nature. You know, constantly. And, and so you can't screw up with him. And that's the thing, is a lot of people don't realize is he wins so much, not just because he's a great chef and can do things with flavors, but he's an incredible competitor. And he plays the numbers. He balances things right. He goes for strong flavors, but balance so they never overpower. Well, I cook for people in restaurants. And if you're going to have that, you know, chicken and dumplings, you're also going to have a beautiful white wine, especially, you know, one right. of the sparkling <laughs> wines that's, that he pairs just for that dish. Um, and, you know, as you eat it, you're kind of going back and forth, you know. And so you would, I mean, you typically wouldn't just sit and it's a very intensely rich dish. Sure. And well, those are the, you know, kind of. Uh, um, you, you have to go big or the flavors just won't stand up to what Bobby's going to do. Yeah, it can be very bland. And so in the end, you were victorious. Now, and they didn't say this in the show, ah! which is okay, but it was unanimous. Oh, oh um, good for you. And they actually gave me the scorecards, which was really cool. Uh, oh, they, so they were just awesome. And, uh, you know, it, it was a unanimous decision. And I was worried because, you know, that's the thing. Bobby got to, you know, know me at, you know, the first competition. And he knows the chefs that I've worked for. And he knows I'm going to hit that technique. He yep. knows I'm going to go really classic and really solid. And, you know, so he's got to go the other way. And when I saw him doing, you know, you know Thai curry. Red with, curry. I, I was just, what are you, I mean, what, I mean, you know, for, so first I'm just like, what are you doing? That's not chicken and dumpling. You know, <laughs> well, Bobby again, go big or go home. Like right. he had to do something. You know, well, that's the thing. As soon as, you know, he goes there, I'm just like, oh, my God, Bobby is going to beat me with a curry chicken and dumpling. Uh, that would be, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Thomas, we got to go. But thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us and talk about the experience. You can watch. It's going to be airing on Food Network, I think, over and over again, right? Yeah. We can watch your victory over and over. You'll see me on there all the time. Minnesota (laughs) represent St. Paul, Minneapolis. I love you guys. All right. Thanks, Thomas. We'll be right back. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the Weekly Dish. Thanks for hanging with us all Saturday. It's uh, It's been fun. And uh, we've had a lot of good discussions. A fun American food filled two hours. I almost. will tell you that the moral of the story for me uh, is what we usually do at this time. Sometimes uh, the moral of the story is for me. If I'm going to talk about hot dogs for 40 minutes, apparently I'm going to have to go have a hot dog. It, clearly there's a craving. I know going on. I, I literally will have to go eat a hot dog very soon. Okay. And so I'm just going to say that apparently I, I work on. Do myself. you have a destination in mind? No. No, mm. I, well, here's the thing. We'll is work I on have that. hot dogs in my fridge. That's true. That I might just go pop back on the grill and get that little crusty char on them. Mm-hmm. Is your then, grill working now? Yes. Oh, good. Not only is it this working. Is new, this but, is a new development. Oh, my God. My, uh, my Andrew, which is my daughter's boyfriend, he got it to fire to like 200. I mean, like points. It was amazingly not hot. And then he just did something. And now it's amazingly rocket he fuel hot. It. He tweaked it. It was perfect. Great job, Would you have a moral Andrew? of the story? Um, I think the moral of the story for me is that, you know how you, you were talking about how you get in food ruts? Yeah. In the summer, I think we get into activity ruts. Oh. And, you know, I just think that we need to get out there more. This farm tour, yep. the um, the small town festivals. Like, yep. we, ha- we haven't done any of that since we lived here. And that so is interesting. I feel like that's that's my goal for the rest of the, my summer manifesto. You and have yours, I'll yes. have mine. I think just getting out of the city, too. Cause we, and there's so much vitality and great stuff going on in the city. I don't want to mm-hmm. deny that. But I think just like exploring the wider part of your state is is the best time is the summer because 
people are out and it's friendlier and it's not winter. Right. <laughs> so, soak it up. People. So soak it up. Right. Well, and I think that, you know, we These live in longer. such a wonderful city that has a lot of things available to us. Like every lake that you go to in the city, you can rent paddle boards, you can yes. rent kayaks, you can do. And so even just doing more of that and then getting out and, and seeing what else is out there. Yeah. Explore, explore, explore. Uh, if you want to explore in town tonight or this weekend, tonight and tomorrow night, mm-hmm. Let me recommend the Little Mekong Night Market. Oh, yes. You guys, I am very excited for this. In fact, I was going to do nothing but stay home today, but I might be going to this because I'm just excited. Little Mekong Night Market is really close to the station here. Mm-hmm. On, um, on, In fact, I university? might... University? Yeah, university. I might park here and then light rail down. That's a good idea. Because that might be easier. If you can get on the light rail, it is a really good option at some point to do. Um, and it's the, it's the district over in St. Paul. It's university and... I should look up the Dale. It might be Dale, um, but I'm going to put a, I'm going to put the map up on um, on the Facebook page so you know. But listen, this is a great event, and it's a great two night event, and it starts at 5 p.m. every night or tonight and tomorrow night. And they have got so much crazy, awesome ice cream <laughs> treats, and they've got bubble waffles jammed with things. They've got tie rolled ice cream. They've got. Um, all sorts of like stacked waffles with sweet syrups on them. You're talking, is there anything savory? You're just talking Tons, about all the But I'm stuff. just saying how amazed I am <laughs> by the ice cream treats, which are making me happy. But there's also so much, I mean, oh my God, there's so much Mrs. Papaya Thai. There's, you know, Nima's grilled skewers. There's, there's so much great food that is just from a global perspective, but by all by local Minnesotans. And is it just once a year that they do this? They just they were going to try to do this more, I think. But now I know for I think that they're just doing it once a year to kind of keep it um, to just kind of keep it bigger. OK, because they were trying to, yeah, you know, I think sense. that was part of the deal. Don't dilute the crowd. Yeah, they. Um, and so it's and because there's also shopping. There's tons of stalls. Mm. And then uh, there's also performances. So they have a bunch of stages and they do a bunch of uh concerts and they like have dancing, dancing. And, yes yeah. and there's some great like i think that there's some fire show i think that that's what they're doing um so tonight saturday uh they have so i just pulled up some they have the Hmong center of minnesota doing a queen uh, a, a team dance thing they have um they have the big one you want to go see tonight apparently is this simone smash it i'm not quite sure but everyone was saying you have to go see that and they have a lot of like singing and dancing um and they have a lot of schools. So there's a lot of kids doing stuff. Too. And so what's the time again? So it starts at 5 p.m. And it goes till 10 p.m. So it's okay. a night market for mm-hmm. real. Um, but it kind of obviously sunsets at like 9 or 9.30. But there's they have reggae performances. And or I don't know if it's reggae. But it's um, they've got a lot of great stuff happening. But, you know, obviously we're talking about the food here. Because that's I, what we do. I mean, I just kind of want to. There's the food vendors. Um some of the things that you can get there. Remember the Filipino lumpia? We've talked about yes. those a while ago. You can find those there. There's a lot of like, in, and there's, you know, all sorts of cuisines. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, Vietnamese. Um, they have a, there's a donburi bowl. It's going on. Lou sandwiches is going to have bun mies there. God, I love those. Now I, want I think that. you're hungry. I'm so hungry, you guys. <laughs> Um, so that's a, it's a great experience and a great time to go. Bring some cash and just walk around. Just park your car and just walk around. I think it's going to be great. Fun. Yeah. So that's happening tonight. Um, uh, other things that are going on this weekend. What are you doing? Is there anything else you're doing this weekend? 
Uh, no, we're just kind of hanging. It's been nice. It's been a very quiet weekend. So there's a lot of these things that we can go do, like the little festivals. I don't, we won't make it to Mekong tonight, but, um, maybe tomorrow night we can. Maybe tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, there is, what else? There was something else going on that I wanted to make sure to let people know. Um, oh, besides that, this is what I wanted to tell you about. So the, there's a, I don't know if you've heard the Minnesota Transportation Museum. Yes. Okay, so they have something going on this weekend which sold out before I could talk about it. Okay. It's a vintage bus and winery tour. Like, you get on a vintage bus in St. Paul, like an old 50s bus, and they drive you. This this weekend, they're going down to the St. Croix Valley and doing, you know, like, a, uh, uh, you know, Carlos Creek okay. tours, and it's already too late. 